Before we get to the show, did you know you can get more insights just like the ones you're listening to right here on Seeking Wisdom delivered right to your inbox? Sign up to get my weekly newsletter. It's called The One Thing at drift.com slash DC. And we're back and we're brought to you by the fine folks at, if you're watching YouTube, you can see this, Drift. Thank you, Drift, for making this possible. All right, young Adam, we are here. What are we talking about? We're back on Seeking Wisdom, the universe's only six-star certified podcast. It's unprecedented. We're talking about what you wish you knew when you were younger, going down this tweet storm into one of my favorites, which is avoid consensus, avoid conventional wisdom. That is, unless you want average results. Boom. That's an easy one to talk about. I like that one. That's a strong tweet right there. That's a strong tweet. I like that. Someone's, someone's been doing their little homework on headline writing at Drift, I can tell. We've had a lot of conversations about how to write punchy hooks, and someone is uh, paying attention. Whoever wrote that headline, hello, Gail. All Shout right. out, Gail. Shout out to Gail. <laughs> yeah. We love All Gail. Right. Let's talk about this idea of avoiding consensus. I remember, do you know Seth Godin? Oh, yeah. Love, the, love the, Seth Godin. Yeah. The master. Oh, I love Seth Godin. I've been a Seth Godin mega fan for, it's an embarrassing number of years, almost almost 20 years that long. And years and years and years ago, long before anyone had heard of Seth Godin, I don't know, I caught wind of him. It was a really long time ago. It was in, let's say, probably somewhere around 2004, 2005, around that time. Young Adam was not even born at that time. <laughs> But back then in 2004 or five, Steph used to have these in-person workshops in New York City. And so I went down to New York City, went to one of these in-person workshops, and he used to do it at a super old theater, naturally being Seth Godin. And they were probably, I went twice, two different years, and they were probably 30 to 45 people there. That's it. I mean, tiny. Wow. Totally awesome. And he would mesmerize me because not only can he, he the master the riff, right? So he can riff on it, you know, he could just go off and everything that he says is so right on, but in such simple terms that it blows you away. But he would have a question and answer from the audience. You could ask any question. And, and you know, I thought for a second, I was like, maybe everything's canned, right? Because they're so good, like so much thought. Any random question that anyone would ask, Boom, boom, just as amazing. So like he blew me away. It was such an early time for the internet archetype of business that I was the only one, I and one of my colleagues were always the only ones who were, had anything to do with internet related businesses. It was like furniture, uh, shout out to the, the Schoenfelds, furniture, retailers, you know, plumbing, like all this kind of like crazy stuff, you know, franchises, restaurants, stuff like that. There was no one there that that was internet related. Anyway, the reason I went on that weird wild tangent was it has to do with today's topic because Seth Godin would always have this rant that I loved that I, I, I've lived ever since, which is like, you have to pick an edge. And so he said, you always have to pick an edge. You have to be on one end or the other end. You cannot be in the middle. And the middle is where 
there's consensus. The middle is the average. The middle is where things go to die. That is like your most uninspired thoughts are in the middle because they are just the average of the average of the average. They're the least offensive to anyone. And so that's why you have to, if you want to have big ideas, you know, Steph would always say you have to pick an edge. You have to be on one one end of the spectrum, the other edge of the spectrum, and not everyone will like it. Lots of people will dislike it. And, but that's okay. Because one other thing I learned from this kind of concept was that it's easier, you know, a lot of people like to pitch something or talk about an idea or anything from an idea from an article to a company to whatever, and they don't want to receive, they don't want people not to like it, right? Everyone wants to be liked, right? Liking bias, right? And so people want to be liked. And because of that, you know, they'll average down the idea so that no one will say anything bad about it and no, no one will say anything great about it. They'll just say, it's good. That's a cool idea. Nice idea. But that's not what you want. You want to pick an edge because it's easier to get someone who tells you that they hate your idea, they hate your article, they hate everything you stand about, to get them to the love side of the spectrum than it is to get someone that's in the middle to the love side because the middle is indifference and indifference is the thing you want to avoid. So why is that? Like, why is it easier to move people from hate to love than to move them from indifference to either side of that? Because when you have something that's strong, that's polarizing, and obviously there's the love people, but then you have the hate camp. And the hate camp, you are striking an emotional chord with them. There's something about that that is, you know, actually getting them to give a you know, about the thing, you know, they care, they're invested emotionally, even though the, the emotion is negative. People in the middle are indifferent. People in the middle are indifferent. They could not, they're not happy. They're not sad. They don't, it's meh, right? They don't really care. It's like, it has no impact on them. So when you're in the middle, it's really hard to get someone to be emotional about something, someone to find the emotional cord to strike then it is someone who already has that emotional cord and it's, you know, they hate the idea, they hate whatever. But those people I found you can easily convert them to the love side of the spectrum if you spend time understanding what is it that makes them react so negatively? Like, what is it about the idea? Is it the way that you're communicating? Is it something inherent in the idea? But there's something in there that's polarizing to them. And that is good, not bad. Bad is the middle, bad is consensus because, again, the people who are indifferent, they don't care. And I always would say, you know, from a startup standpoint and an idea standpoint, that death is indifference. That is where you will die as a company. If no one has any reaction, if you can't find a, a niche or a group that, you know, either hates the thing you're doing, that equally hates and loves the thing that you're doing, then you keep moving, right? Because someone's got to hate it. So you got to find some emotion, good or bad. Yes. That's why every day I drink a glass of hater juice right here. See that? <laughs> Look on YouTube. This is a glass of haters tears. And I drink it like this. Yum, yum. It's a little salty, I've heard, the haters yeah. tears. It's okay. Because we're going to make all those haters and their tears laugh with joy. I love it. So companies are notorious for seeking consensus, right? Like, especially yeah. as they grow, teams, mm-hmm. organizations, committees, Right? Mm-hmm. There's all this kind of momentum toward consensus inside of companies. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how you sort of have thought about fighting that adrift and how that you is... sort of setting that up? Question for you before I answer that. What do you call someone who's from Seattle? Seattleite? Seattleite. You got okay, it. Seattleite. First try. Right. First try. Look at that. Six stars. <laughs> Six stars only. A great businessman, a fellow Seattleite 
has talked about this, answered this question many times. And that is Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon, former CEO, now executive chair. And, you know, his answer for it and what he always wanted to avoid was consensus. And so his answer was to make sure that people have only one thing that they're responsible for. So they're single threaded to break problems into many small pieces. And that was, you know, that was represented not only in the hierarchy and the product teams and, and, and the, any of the organizational teams, but also represented in the very nature of Amazon Web Services and their approach to microservices, right? Keep breaking that problem down to the smallest unit so that someone could own it top to bottom and you would avoid consensus, group thought, and group thinking. And so there are many things and many lessons you can learn from that. And subtle plug, we're going to have the authors of Working Backwards on this here podcast, and that will be recorded soon. So make sure you don't Miss that. That's one of my favorite books of 2021. If you don't know, Working Backwards is a book by former Amazon executives about exactly how they set up systems. It's, it's the first one that you can actually see some of the systems and the thought processes behind what they've done. And so they're going to be on the podcast. And it's no coincidence, I believe, that there are lots of books and lots of people talk about Amazon now that Jeff is no longer CEO. What do you think about that? Because there, no, there was nothing before Jeff stepped down and CEO. Mm. So maybe we're opening the floodgates on, on more yeah. books from insiders? Okay. Yeah, because we have their books. We have Jeff Wilkie out there now talking about how they did things, you know, doing podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. You have lots of people at Amazon starting to talk now and for decades never appeared. Right, because we had the everything people. store, but the, he didn't actually get any... Mm-hmm. Exact no. commentary or anything no. like that. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to learn from them about how to set up exactly what Adam's asking here. How do you set up an organization to avoid consensus? You know, Google did something similar in small teams. Facebook has done some similar things. Lots of companies have done a similar approach, which is a very open source distributed systems type of a, a model of how do you break a problem down into the small pieces to avoid consensus to avoid groupthink. And so for us at Drift, we've done a very similar thing of like, how do we keep breaking it down? And we've never, you'll never get to the point where it's perfect. It's perfect. So we have to keep breaking it down, but you have to do everything possible to avoid consensus. You know, Apple brought us this very idea of the DRI, which is something that we've adopted, which is directly responsible individual. That's what that acronym stands for. And the idea is that for every project, for every decision, there's only one DRI and that is the person that makes the decision. And that the DRI is not just the person with the highest title in the room. It could be anyone that's been appointed to actually be the DRI of a project. And that person is the final person who will make the decisions. And that is their, again, their approach to try to break consensus versus, you know, everyone in the room gets an equal vote. And then we go with the least offensive version to everyone. Yeah. I remember if I think back, you know, three years when I first joined Drift, seeing this show up, you know, we'd have like some big Slack thread going and a bunch of people are jumping in and giving opinions. Mm -hmm. And and Mm -hmm. maybe you or Elias would just say, hey, remember, seek feedback, not consensus, like that little reminder. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is Mm -hmm. this is Will's decision or this is Gail's decision. We're just going to go. Yeah. Super helpful. One of our leadership principles, drift leadership principles. You can see them on our on our website. Seek feedback, not consensus. Super important to us. So pulling on that thread a little bit, I'm curious how, as the company has grown, mm-hmm. we're a lot bigger, a lot more people, and digital first. Has this gotten harder, or or what do you think sort of it looks like today versus 
you know, in the earlier days when maybe the founders could kind of chime in and remind people mm. or we could sort of just do it that way. But now we have a lot more people, a lot more teams and we're digital. Yeah, I think it's definitely gotten harder in my opinion. The part that's gotten harder is, so we've done, we've tried to do it on a teaching standpoint from getting new people in this kind of line of thought. What's harder is no matter what process or system or mechanism or what have you, you set up within a company, you always have to have inspection be part of that. And what's gotten harder in this process, especially being digital and scaling the team at the same time is the inspection part. How do you make sure, how do you ensure, how do we have stewards who can go around and maintain that quality level? And again, Amazon has done something with the idea from a hiring standpoint of the bar raiser, again, appointing these people who are specially trained to make sure that they're not regressing to the average in terms of hiring people and you have this bar raiser thing. We don't have a concept like that yet on recruiting and we don't have a concept like that in some of our other processes now. And because of that, and because of the digital nature and scale of the company, it, I think the inspection part has gotten a lot harder. What do you think? I think that's that's right. The inspection, because so many more things are happening in so many more places. Mm -hmm. And they're also maybe less seen, maybe if it's just digital or this Zoom, this Slack. I find the recording of meetings that we do actually helps a lot because you can mm -hmm. kind of, you can watch the game tape, so to speak, and sort of see mm -hmm. if we're falling into those traps. And so, yeah. you know, certain team leaders or people within teams can kind of look back and say, ooh, we were falling into consensus thinking there. Yeah, I think now is the, the time now and going forward will be the the times to spend the that we need to spend the most sorry, I'm saying that convoluted, but now is the time where we'll have to spend more of our energy fighting consensus to come in because this is what naturally happens at all companies. This is the, you know, this is the again to not to keep referencing Bezoisms, but this is day two thinking, right? So like and if you don't know that Go figure that out. That's the easy one. Day two thinking, Easter egg. That is the thing that we have to continue to fight and spend more time, be more vigilant against consensus creeping in. And, you know, every once in a while, I will stumble upon things that have creeped in that are consensus driven. You know, I was just listening to something the other day or talking to someone the other day and they were talking about the review process, which as you know, I don't, I'm not very involved in the review process. And they were talking about calibration meetings. I was like, what is that? And it was basically this idea like within a team that they had like a million people in a room and they were calibrating, you know, the ratings and peer reviews of people. And it was like, that sounds batshit to me, crazy. Like how many hours do people spend doing this? It's crazy. That is, again, and what are we doing? We're averaging out. We're trying to average out. We're trying mm. to normalize things. And that's not what you want. So we need to fix that. All right. So we have another leadership principle at Drift that's innovate, don't invent. How do you square that with this avoiding consensus and avoiding <laughs> conventional wisdom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think the idea behind, and so the idea behind innovate and, and don't invent is that for most things, for most common practices, you know, when, it, especially when it comes to people, like you don't, and, and product and systems, first you should see like, is there a role model in the world today? You know, is there, is there already a common practice for something? And then examine it. And unless you can find a reason to create an entirely new process or new approach from whole cloth, from, you know, the ground up, then you should try to take that process and either use it or that system or that custom and use it and maybe innovate on top of it. So build on top of that versus 
what we like to do all the time, which is like ignore, you know, what's been done before, ignore the lessons of history, start from scratch every single time, make all the errors that the people who already have defined some process or some approach in the world have already gone through and learn nothing. And so it's less about consensus thinking and is more about respecting history and learning from history and figuring out when you should use this idea of inventing something, which is very important in our business and all businesses, it's very important to invent, but you can't invent everything. You know, and sometimes we, we all get carried away and like, especially with digital companies, like in, you want to reinvent every single thing, which you can't. There are very few things that you should spend your energy inventing and, and the rest of them you should try to innovate on top of the pattern. Right. So you don't actually have to invent things to avoid that unemotional mm-hmm. middle. Mm-hmm. You can still get to the edge without having to make it up from scratch every time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's dangerous, this idea of, of inventing, and I've fallen prey to it many times, of wanting to invent everything from scratch and not take into account any of the lessons of history. Yeah. I felt that too. Sometimes if I am trying to avoid conventional thinking, it's like, oh, I have to invent and just work on the blank page, but mm-hmm. that's not actually the case, right? You can still go to those edges without having to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, or at, the, at, the, at the very least, start by examining history and trying to understand why do people do this thing or this do whatever, they, this pattern, why do they do it? What have they tried before? What's failed? What's succeeded? Why do they do this pattern? Sometimes you'll find a pattern that they do that makes no sense. And then you should invent an entirely new one. And it's just an artifact of time. That happens a lot. But sometimes there'll be very legitimate reasons why a pattern is the way it is. And then you should think twice before inventing in that category. Love it. All right. Avoid consensus. Avoid that unemotional middle. Mm -hmm. Be okay with people loving it and hating it. But... Mm -hmm. You don't want the meh. No, <laughs> the avoid no the response. Meh. That's a teacher right there. Yeah. Avoid the meh. <laughs> the meh. I think there's an emoji for the meh. Uh, yeah, there is. I use it all the time. <laughs> if you use that, I know I'm wrong. It's either, it's got to be a, a hard hell yes or a hell no. Yeah. That one is just start over. <laughs> if you were watching a YouTube video, YouTube version of this, and if you are, make sure that you subscribe, that you leave a thumbs up. Comment on Adam's hair in the comments, put a little hair emoji in there, and I will go in there and make sure to heart all those comments. And make sure to click on that notification bell up here so that you get notified on new Seeking Wisdom episodes on their hair YouTubes. We're out. We're good, we're right? Out. All right. We're done. Don't forget, before we're done, rewind, go back. Don't forget to leave a six star, and or if you're feeling generous because spring is he, almost here, a seven star only rating on the podcast system of your choice. Leave seven stars, comment on Adam's hair or my lack of hair, and uh, I'll send you one of these. And if you're watching Ooh, the YouTubes, you can see what one. it is. Yeah, see that? Look at that gold. Don't tell them what it is. It's got gold. It's black and gold. Oof. All right. See ya. Let me know what you thought of this episode by texting me at 1-212-380-1036. Again, 1-212-380-1036. Now, if you're looking for more leadership insights, sign up for my weekly newsletter, The One Thing, at drift.com slash DC. 
Every week I'll share a habit, tool, or mental model that's helping me reach my goals. Hope to see you there. Text me, hit me up. 